even accepting that you're going to pursue a creative job is a whole journey in itself. And I will be honest, like sometimes I look at other people and I'm not specifically like non-Asians or whatever, but people who maybe didn't grow up with the exact same background as me. And I'm quite jealous. It's very American, I think, to be like, what do you want to be? Okay, so that was Jeanette Liao. And as you might have deduced, we're going to be getting into some personal stuff that I think will really resonate with our audience. For those of you that don't know who Jeanette is, she's a product graphic designer at Nike, a job which she's had since late 2015. But to her tens of thousands of followers on Instagram, Jeanette is more than that. She's a role model, a calligrapher, and sometimes artist poet, where she's crafting beautiful, quirky ideas and fun sentiments like tweet others the way you want to be tweeted or if a tear falls from your face but there's no emoji for it do you really feel anything by perusing her instagram feed you get a sense of her personal style she's a very stylish modern woman often dresses in sports wear cool sneakers and is almost always monochromatic who are you and where are you from I'm a nobody who lives in Portland, Oregon now. I used to be from um, Bay Area, LA, California girl at heart, but I'm a designer. I work in a lot of different mediums and for a lot of different things, but currently I'm employed full-time at Nike. Whoa, whoa, and you're employed full-time at Nike. Whoa, yeah. That's like a killer job. Like everybody <laughs> wants to work at Nike, right? It's a quote-unquote dream job, yeah. It is a dream job. So they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the downsides great, of working at Nike? <laughs> Sorry, what? What are the downsides working at Nike? Wow, that was quick. <laughs> I'm going well, straight into it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, quote, unquote, so they tell me, so we have to go there. Well, here's the thing. I Nike is the only brand that I ever really set my sights on as like a full-time job corporate. Because yeah. I think the only downsides come to you if you're at a job that's not like set up the way you like to set up your lifestyle. So if you're somebody like me that came from a lot of freelance jobs, I was kidding. Like, obviously, I'm really happy at Nike, but there's a lot of things that individuals have to do, designers, to kind of supplement what they do full time if that's what they're into. So it's like it's a corporate job, but I'll say that compared to other corporate jobs, it's they hold creative creativity designers at kind of high esteem. And so you do get a lot of say and it's really empowering in a uh, good way. Did you know you're going to be at Nike? Is that where you wanted to be? No, nobody can say that. <laughs> no, some people do say that. They're I, like, I'm going to be at Nike. I It's just I'm going to manifest that happening and I really want to work there because totally yeah you know that's the thing I know a few people that are like that I'll right? say that I I didn't even feel like that was a possibility but at the same time I was I used to always joke to my friends when I was freelancing in LA because I was clearly so kind of happy and there was a lot of momentum going for me um I was like I, I wouldn't trade this for anything but if Nike calls me dude I'm there this blew my mind Jeanette has only been out of school for four years. She's been working at Nike, her dream job, for almost two of those years. In case you're wondering, the voice that you're hearing isn't my own. It's Stuart Schuster. He's our editor and the newest member to our team. How did you get to being a designer at Nike? How did it? Well, they called me. They called you? Yeah. How did they call you? <laughs> Take me there. Um, well, there's a recruiter involved. And I was surprised, threw up in my mouth a little bit. I was in public. Um, I feel like 
my experience in the, in the design business, you could say, is very not linear and very odd. Like it's not it's not coming from, say, like step one, I did this and then I tried this out because another design professional told me this was a good idea. It was just like everything was like I'm going to just go off my momentum and tumble into things. The momentum Jeanette was talking about was social media, one platform in particular, but we'll get to that. Social media is revolutionizing the audience for artists of all kinds, and it's becoming a recruiting tool for brands around the world. What platform are you on? I'm on Instagram. And um, where can people? That's my main. Okay, so where can people find you? So right now, if you guys don't know uh, who Jeanette is, you're gonna look her up on Instagram, and she's got like a gazillion followers. Like, how many people you have on Instagram following you right now? Uh, fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. You you had to check it because it was like fifty-seven this morning, right? So she has fifty-eight thousand <laughs> followers on Instagram. And when when Nike recruited you, how many followers did you have then? Thirty-five. Oh I don't my know. God. Don't you had 35,000 followers out of school? Well, there were there were years in between. Yeah, it's been four years, four, four like, long years. was Instagram even around? Well, that was the thing. I think when we talk about it, and a lot of people ask me, like... You're early in, right? I'm early in, and I didn't... Wow. There was no Instagram strategy. Like, when I... And there's... To me, there still isn't. Because what I enjoyed about it in the beginning is what I want to carry through now with it, my my account. So... When I started Instagram, there wasn't this community of, I mean, now there's all these right. subcategories of whether you're, you're a letterer or like whatever. Yes, there was just food mostly. Okay, so what did you post? I remember the first thing I posted was I used to work at a bike company in LA, actually, it's in Burbank. We were creating like a sub brand for it. So I had to sketch out the letters. And that was like the first time that I posted like a pencil sketch, which I was like, this is stupid. Like, it's not finished. You know, like the the style of, of what people aim for in design is always evolving. And back in that time, it was like, why would you post something, say, on your Behance or portfolio or, or your, yeah, your portfolio site that's not finished or not clean? So why did you do it? Because I didn't care. Because nobody cared about. And I still like oh, don't really care. Was it like it, nobody's on this platform anyways? I'll put it out there. And I'm following my friends and my friends are following me. Like it's kind of like okay. what you would post like on Facebook. It's just like zero motives other than like this is what I'm doing. You're eating. I'm sketching. So she's posting sketches on this fledgling platform. But the key to her success, her ability to push past perfect. So many artists and designers refuse to release anything until it is just right. But Jeanette wasn't using Instagram as a gallery for her art. She was using it to tell the story of her art. I mean, that also came out of um, just being a fledgling as a designer and working independently with brands and noting that when I kind of told a story of how I came to a certain design, that always boded better, you know, with a client than rather than if I was just like, here's the final vector, like, is it good or not? Right. Um, if I show them sketches and I show them my whole process and I show them like how I got from not just point A to point B, but just like every little step in between, they can understand why and then we can have a better conversation about it. So I think coming from there, there was that, you know, appeal to me of just imperfection, but momentum of like some kind of story happening. This particular episode of the podcast was originally being broadcast as a Facebook Live and Instagram Live event. So we had questions coming in from the web. One of the questions was about freelancing while working corporate gigs. And that opened up an amazing conversation about creative cross-pollination. Ooh, 
I'm gonna skip some of these. What's your relationship status? <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. Let's back it up. What is your relationship status? <laughs> Decline to Unli answer. Unlisted. <laughs> uh, it's complicated. Okay, I There's a lot of good ones. Um, Go ahead. One that I get a lot in just general interviews, and I think it's good is, I mean, I also freelance on the side. So wait, wait, wait. You're moonlighting? I'm, oh, I'm moonlight. Yeah, that's my favorite Is that word. cool with corporate? Yes. And I think that was a big, that was a big draw for me. I think when I visited, I mean, they're well aware that I was kind of, I was picking up my life. You know, I used to live in LA and just committing full time. I just, I, I love Nike and I'm really happy here. But at the same time, that's like, I'm young. <laughs> I have projects that I'm really interested in doing. I have a lot of growth to do. So one big thing that they were, they really emphasized with me was we will support you like growing as an in individual wow so i mean that doesn't mean you know freelancing for adidas but right <laughs> do they say like you know use good judgment here and don't work for conflicts of interest or mind that? totally i mean it's like don't be stupid like you know i do things like design pins. there's another like, hashtag right there don't be stupid don't be stupid like okay. sometimes if you're not sure just will you design us a t-shirt knows yeah don't be stupid graphic it's yours okay yeah. let's do that uh, and I'm you guys don't have like that. you guys right. don't have legal coming after you for that verbiage so no i'm stoked that's cool all right so i think nike just like got like a thousand new uh, resumes uh, being submitted after you saying that 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 yeah not only is it cool they're they're gonna say we support your personal development yeah wow i mean i've i've heard of other design friends being in spaces where you know they're happy at work but if if their full time doesn't it says hey stop you know like you don't have time to go take that class or you know what you're doing on the side there like we feel threatened i feel like that not only gives the company a bad name but it really limits the designer to perform well for them too because i think that i bring in a lot of my personal work into nike and not like literally directly but if i'm researching something for a mural or just some some product i'm creating on the side and i just have a spark of an idea i have the opportunity to bring that to full time and and say to my manager like this is cool. Like I love that. Yeah. I love that. And they, they recognize that. So They know that as you grow as an artist and a designer, you are this whole person and you're going to bring that to work. You can't help it. So you they believe trust. in your own personal development. Yeah, trust That's is That's awesome. Key. So, you know, large multi-billion dollar companies can still think about the individual and their own growth. It doesn't have to be like you're a cog in the machine. Yeah, I appreciated that mindset. That was such an amazing thing to hear that one of the biggest corporations on the planet appreciated the fact that their employees needed room to grow, and that may come from outside the company's walls. But when you are working in such high-profile environments, in this case, Nike and Instagram, how do you keep your head when people are judging your work? I can't speak fully from the perspective of like an artist, like just an, and I don't want to characterize all just pure artists, but, um, they're very emotional creatures for a reason. It's because you put out everything inside of you and you wait for someone to judge it and then you react based on that and then you create new art based on your sadness of how someone, you know, and I think I love design because I understand the prompt better than you do. So how do I keep people from judging my design work is that I was the one that was briefed. So I feel like when I understood the story that they're trying to tell, it's really not up to a random person out there whether it's like pretty enough for that particular random situation that they encountered my design. 
um, I will I'll kind of figure out if it's effective based on if the company is achieving. I'm this is like hypothetically if I'm branding somebody like if they're achieving what they wanted to achieve via what I've created. You know, I could sit there and think about it for a long time, and I do. You do. I do. Yeah. When I get hate comments or whatever, I don't get like sad. I'm just like, hmm, like a long drawn out hmm. I just feel like you know. There are people who make crazy comments all the time. Yeah. And maybe I don't know if you do this, but I respond to all of them. Mm. And sometimes like I shouldn't have responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try to respond in an intelligent way and show them some respect. And they just yeah. go flaming on me. It's like that's it. Yeah. It's like their human torch, and it's just like flame on, boom. Yeah. Right. But if somebody says something funny, like, um, oh, you know, uh, the host is super self-absorbed and arrogant. Me. Mm-hmm. I just I, my response is yeah he kind of is a douchebag isn't he? <laughs> I just have fun with that I don't yeah. really care. Okay. I don't know you. Okay. It's all cool. You know, uh, you have an opinion. I have an opinion. Who cares? Like I have no. Sure. You know, you don't have the. Uh, you don't have like authority from some higher being to say like he's objectively. I judge you. Yeah. Yeah, I judge you, and you're yeah. the judge. You get ten really amazing designers in a room, and they'll argue about what the best work is. So there's no objective standard, so the, the standard should be your own. But as easy as it is to say things like that, it can still be a battle. Every day, dealing with trolls, sometimes that can lead to wanting to give up. Matthew had a question from the web about that very feeling. But before we do that, a word from our sponsor. hey John Roth here from the future. Did you know that the future has an online store? What? I know, crazy. When Chris and the gang aren't Facebook living, YouTube posting, or podcast uh, casting, they have plenty to offer you in the official store of the future. So what can you buy? You can buy a membership to the Future Pro Group. You can buy one-on-one business consulting with Chris or one of our creative directors. You can even buy future coffee mugs. Yeah. To be clear, they are branded future mugs, not coffee mugs from the future. They are here in the present for you to buy. They are sleek, sexy, and fully capable of holding coffee. So visit thefuture.com slash shop. That's F-U-T-U-R dot com slash shop to see the latest and greatest of the future. Was there ever any point where you felt like, I'm just going to delete everything, I'm done with this, and I, I don't want any more of this? Totally not. I think my response to just yet dramatic like anything in life that is just like what the hell that hurts like I am immediately snapping back like not in the way of like snapping back like in the comments but just like I come back harder it hurts and there's there's been times where it's just like not even just on I mean not on Instagram but like in real life or at work or whatever when you're just like wow like am I not am I not good enough but that's when I like shut up and I just I just start working can you tell people your Instagram name so you can they can check out your work while we're talking yeah, um, it's it? it's my name. So it's J-E-N-N-E-T-L-I-A-W. I think that if I've had any influence on any, you know, small amount of people, I would hope that a part of that is um, the idea that creating something and, and messing up and then, but then having something of your own in the end is, is the real prize. You know, I've never wanted to anything that I've sold. I've never wanted to be like, yes, this is the great idea. And like, I'm going to be so rich now. It's like, it's like, 
ooh, I got here, you know? <laughs> like, I made all that stupid stuff in the middle, but, like, it makes sense now. So it's kind of like, this is just evidence that I made sense of something, that whether it was my prompt or someone else's prompt. So what I don't get is, and I still, it's been a couple years, I think three years, that I've had to not put up with it, but just be faced with the situation is, do you do you, do people feel like the glory in creativity is getting validated for the end product because i don't think that and what, i would what do you think i mean i think the process is is like i hey, now you're i know that's really our show. <laughs> i mean it's really cheesy but it's like dude i do it for the growth i love that and i truly believe in that but there's another side of that that Jeanette and chris disagreed with which is validation chris doesn't believe in it he thinks it conflicts with personal growth. Jeanette didn't quite feel the same. I hear you. You hear me? It's I hear you. But I think that the word validation gets a bad rap. I think like, you know, ugh, like, oh my gosh, your girlfriend needs so much validation. You know, like, it's like she just wants you to tell her she's pretty. You're so pretty. Yeah. You're so smart. But at the core of it, why does she want that? And I'm going to make a crazy metaphor now, but she Do wants it. that because it's a rep- representation of of her value to you. Maybe she's asking for it in the wrong way, but in the same way that you're a designer asking for validation from people, it's not like, tell me I'm great so I feel those good feelings. It's almost like validation is a core part of just communicating with your audience. I think that if you just shrug that off or you say that's not important, I think that's kind of foregoing a really important part of listening to what people you know, feel good about based on what they're absorbing. So it's you a dangerous guys. thing to argue for validation because I know it's not like, you know, it's it's a lot, it, it just sounds better as a designer okay. to say like, Hold on. no, we don't need that. Yeah. No, 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 okay, okay, I'm sorry, guys. You do need to validate a hypothesis. So if you work on a marketing campaign and they lose followers, there's less engagement, uh, you don't convert as much, uh, then the validation says, it was in your own mind that those ideas were working. Mm-hmm. We do need some kind of external checkpoint, like to say, I'm going to help you grow. And let's measure the growth. I'm all for that. So the validation that we're doing something good is that our channel is growing in terms of subscribers. And you could look at it like that kind of validation. You have, uh, what did you say, 56, no, 48, 50 million? How many followers do you have again? <laughs> Uh, you didn't check it again? million. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I just messed around. Like how many followers again? 58. 58. So you have 58,000 followers, right? Yeah. 58 comma zero, zero, zero followers. That means that's validating that what you're doing connects with people. And maybe that's the only kind of validation you need. Instead of like reading the individual comments and saying, you know, you stole my idea. First of all, guys, there's no such thing as an original idea. Get over it. All right. So uh, like if she stole your idea, where'd you steal the idea from? Mm-hmm. And your igno- ignorance doesn't excuse you from saying, well, it was original. I don't really care. Right. So that's why validation is such an intangible thing. I think, you know, it's sure someone out there might feel 100% validated for, say, hypothetically, the amount of followers that I have. But I'll say that I get I get just as down and just as like confused in the way that I want to be to to kind of break down and, and figure out what I need to do next as as the next guy. Like, I don't think that that's like enough for enough for someone else isn't necessarily enough for me and vice versa. So we've been talking about validation and judgment, all workings of the soul of an artist. And Matthew had a perfect follow-up question. How do you prevent feeling burnt out? How do I prevent it? Um, how do I say this without being like really masochistic? Um, I mean, I work it into my, my schedule. 
I work it into my process. I think that especially since I came from freelancing and when you are just 100% responsible for everything, everything, not just completing things, but when you get the feedback, it's all your fault too. Like you haven't done the right thing or whatever, done enough. Um, a lot of, you realize that a lot of um, the value of what you put out really relies on the lifestyle that you set up for yourself. So things like, and this is like boring stuff, but like health, fitness, you know, relationships, all that stuff like really plays into whether or not you experience burnout and how hard you get it and in how long you stay in that rut. So I think knowing that burnout is coming, it's like something that you you just start to feel. I mean, I, I do work full time. My full time job isn't honestly when I was little, not the full time job that I maybe envisioned where I go to work and, you know, I punch in things and vectorize a few things and I go home. It's like, look, I, I really like submerge myself in it. And then, though, I got to do more stuff when I go home. So I know what's coming. So how do I deal with it is is just making sure those other points in my life are like I'm hitting it. Like if I'm not eating well, if I'm not exercising, if I'm not spending time with my friends, which I, I actually have to like consciously make an effort to do because I know that that's a big part of just my performance and like all the other categories, um, then the burnout sucks. I mean, burnout's going to happen no matter what. I think if you're creative, like you can't schedule in how many hours you're going to work each week and then just be like this is my healthy amount like no you're gonna pull like an all-nighter at some point because you care create a block it's inevitable everyone goes through it and everyone deals with it differently but it's a question that consistently comes up in interviews like this i feel like i'm never too sure how to answer answer that because there's different types of creative blog and i was like such a stupid finicky technical way to answer but what kind of creative block like you're there it could be you're working on a project for someone and it's like I don't know how to do it and I'm not getting inspiration for it or is it like a personal project where you're like I really want to make something of my own but like I can't I can't fill this blank page I feel like it's like super different but you get stuck yeah how often like every day you get stuck every day at work and at home I think that's important yeah I think if I were like flowing all the time, I would never question myself. I think like every time I get stuck, I'm like, I have to, like, I, I go deep in my head. Like I get, I get weird, like in my head where I'm just like, design is like life. Like, like <laughs> this is literally my inner dialogue. When I get stuck is when I go, like, I start to think about how much, how interconnected the way I'm thinking about this design is to the way I approach life. That so, sounds so corny, but this is the inside of my head. So yeah, every time I get stuck, but I know that conversation in my head is important because if I didn't have it, then again, like I'm not growing and I'm not, I'm not questioning myself. Questioning myself is important. Questioning yourself is important. That's yeah. like a crowded space in that brain. Yeah. There's a lot of different voices. So one thing that I do, speaking of it being crowded and not having enough room to breathe. Was that was a good segue. Um, is walks are huge for me. I've said this in like a few a few things, but the physical space that's around you, I, I feel like it reflects that mental space that I have inside. So I feel really crowded in my head and it's just like, here's an idea there, but I don't feel committed to it. There's an idea there. I could do that, but I'm not going to be like super proud of it. Or like, there's just overcrowding, like you said. And I think a walk is like, everything has made sense. Like I feel like in that to me is is the joy of designing is when the moment where it's like that that you're sure there's no question about it the thing i hate most is making myself sit behind a desk which i think a lot of people do until 
it works you know and you're overworking you're over you're not even sure in the end if it works but you put it out like you ship it but like give yourself space like time is like it's gonna be solved like Like physical space physical space yeah and be silent in your thoughts go for a walk go for a walk things just i see it fall into place well i i have said this before but i believe that boredom is the precursor to creativity Mm -hmm. for me if i'm uh, i'm in front of nothing and i just like that energy builds up and i think you just need to give your mind some space to like solve the problem yeah and just like let it chill let it chill all right yeah we go a little crazy sometimes a question came in that we couldn't ignore Jeanette, matthew and i are all asian americans and someone asked us to discuss the experience of being asian american in a creative field as an aside i could definitely relate to what Jeanette is going through. For me, I didn't even realize that I was self-censoring when I was contemplating what my career choices were. I started to think about accounting, finance, or things like that. I was convinced that being an artist was a stone's throw away from being homeless around the street. Being a designer felt like I was being too self-indulgent and it was a frivolous thing to pursue. I needed to do something serious and respectable otherwise i would have thrown away all the sacrifices that my parents made to come to america and they gave up a lot to be here the sacrifices they made for their children i could not just throw away now luckily or unluckily i was rejected from every university i applied to so that plan a went out the door and had that not happened i might have been an investment banker or something Instead, I was thinking, okay, now that I'm off that career path and my parents didn't explode, I was not disowned, now I want to do what I want to do. And luckily for me, I also met somebody who was a working professional graphic designer who gave me the permission, I'm speaking figuratively here, the permission to pursue what I wanted in my heart. And that was a major pivotal point in my life. I think there's a perception in this community um, that pursuing creativity is is selfish. Coming up to even accepting that you're going to pursue a creative job is a whole journey in itself. And I will be honest, like sometimes I look at other people and I'm not specifically like non-Asians or whatever, but people who maybe didn't grow up with the exact same background as me. And I'm quite jealous um, that they kind of, it's very American, I think, to be like, what do you want to be? You know, what? Like their parents ask them what they want to be. What's your of, What's your dream? Yeah. And that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, I'm in in that way. I feel very fortunate that I remember when. I mean, ever since I was like just as far as I can remember, it was like so painfully obvious that I was an artistic person. But that worries me because if I didn't have that, if I didn't have exactly as much as I did then. I don't think I would be here because I think that helped me, but not everyone has that. And that's not to my credit at all. That's just like, it just happened that way. And I felt like, I mean, something in me was like, you have to do it. And I didn't identify with anything else, but there's other like really creative people out there um, with a lot of great ideas that if they didn't start out that way, there is, there are many paths um, through this community that lead out it's so, so unlikely for someone to, to hone in and be like, I will pursue that craft and I will be the best at it. It's, 
so I recognize that I could have gone like down that path. Um, and so when I hear other girls and guys too that are like at that crossroads where they have to like make, you know, the grand decision of who you want to be. And I'm like, well, first, like, I understand where you're coming from. The, I think the first thing is to just chill out, like, like see everything in the perspective of like, you're going to look back at your 16 year old self when you're 25 and be like, actually, if I had started like that thing back then, I'd be pretty damn good at it, you know, as opposed to like, how guilty will I feel for how long for, for, for doing this thing that seems so self-indulgent? Well, I, I just want to say this, that uh, I think there are a lot more um, Asian Americans who have this side of them, whether it's you want to become an artist, a designer, an architect, a chef, or something that's not part of the acceptable three, mm-hmm. that you're a role model for these people. To be able to see a woman like you and see themselves in you, mm-hmm. it, it, that is very validating, right? That must, does that do anything for you? Um, yes, but I also credit the fact that we have a lot more visibility now um, than we did before. I remember very distinctly in college, um, and I said, you know, I didn't have a lot of peers that were similar to me, but I did have the influence of people that I knew were out there. And back then, I know, like, I get crap for people, you're not that old, but back, you know, in college, um, if I, if you found someone like to idolize, that was like big, you know, it wasn't like I tapped that follow button, like the same way I tapped, you know, 2000 other people's follow button. It's like, it's like, I found something like, really relatable and real and I hold that pretty dear so I remember like in college when I found out about Dana Tanamachi um it doesn't those idols for me don't necessarily mean I idolized their style or you know wanted to do exactly what they did it was the fact that they were out there doing it there's something inexplicable about just them existing and so for me it was like I follow these people on Instagram now that's great and I'm so like thankful that and vice versa that we get to see each other and have visibility and I think that helps a lot of young people but for me it was like I had like you know five people and I was like thank you for existing like done everything for me my name is Jeanette Liao and you are listening to the future Hey everybody, it's Chris. The conversation we had with Jeanette sparked further discussion between Stuart and I about the broader experience of being young and wanting to go into the creative field. We're going to be sharing that with you in a follow-up episode. Stay tuned. The Future is hosted by me, Chris Doe. The show is edited by Stuart Schuster. Big thanks to Adam Sanborn for composing our theme song. To subscribe to The Future Podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. While you're there, do us a solid and leave us a review. Your comments will help guide future programming, and hey, it'll help us with our rankings. Can't get enough content? You're in luck. We have over 150 episodes on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash thefutureishere. Make sure you don't miss out on upcoming events, workshops, live broadcasts, and webinars by signing up for our newsletter. Go to our site, thefuture.com, and click on the email sign-up button. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Future Is Here. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode.